This is the Seven Hills Church Podcast, where you'll hear incredible teaching from our very own Pastor Marcus Meekham. If you enjoy what you hear, you can subscribe anywhere you get your podcast to get brand new episodes waiting for you every week. You can also download our free smartphone app to see even more exclusive content and to get connected with the life of Seven Hills. Let's get right to the message, and thanks again for being with us. And I want to talk to you tonight uh, On a subject, famous last words. If you're taking notes, famous last words. You can turn in your Bible to Luke 23, 34. And I want to talk to you. You know, normally when we look at the life of somebody, we would say that the words that they speak on their deathbed are pretty important words, very important words. You know, I was reading a book uh, one time and in that book, they talked about some of the famous last sayings that people have, the, the famous last sayings, famous uh, regrets that people have in their life. One of the regrets was, I wish I hadn't worked so hard. Isn't that amazing that people come to the end of their life and a lot of people's last words are, I wish I wouldn't have worked so hard. And another uh, group of people had said, I, I wish I would have actually went after my dreams and not just settled in my life. And it's amazing how when we come to the end of something or when we come to the end of of our time on earth, we boil everything down and things become super clear. And those last words hold a lot of meaning. Those last words I think we take our whole life and we, we whittle down what life is all about and we put them into our last moments. And I look in God's word today and I think it's really important that when we look at the end of Jesus's life, there were words that he spoke, words that he spoke on the cross. And these words that he spoke, I think are really a great reminder in our life of the things that we need to be about, especially in this time. And I believe that last words are the most important things that you can pay attention to. And I believe that what Jesus is pointing us to as he was on the cross and as he was nearing his death are some of the most important things that he has spoken. And so I'm going to talk to you tonight on those famous last words and what those words were. The first words that Jesus spoke, he spoke words of forgiveness. Luke 23, 34, he said, then Jesus said, father, forgive them for they do not know what they do. Jesus in his worst moment, in his most painful moment, look at this expressed forgiveness. And I want to be clear. There is never a painless act of forgiveness. Forgiveness doesn't mean reconciliation. Reconciliation means to return the relationship to its former place. And here's the thing, you can't reconcile without repentance. Even God doesn't reconcile without our repentance. Our relationship with God is reconciled through an act of repentance. And repentance simply is I turn away from and I turn to God. And, and many times forgiveness, just like Jesus, he offered words of forgiveness, forgive them, Father, they don't know what they're doing. Jesus in his last moments was teaching us that even in the most painful 
moments of our life normally caused by what somebody has done, what somebody has said, what somebody didn't do, or what somebody hasn't provided in our life. We, it, it hurts. It, it hurts to have forgiveness come out of our mouth. But I believe that Jesus's last words are a reminder to us that no matter how painful it is, he was up on the cross offering words of forgiveness. And I believe that tonight the Holy Spirit wants to talk to you tonight to say, hey, is there somebody that you haven't forgiven? Are you harboring unforgiveness in your heart? See, the world's greatest need, the world's greatest need was the need for God's forgiveness. And that's why Jesus was sent. The world needed a forgiver. And so we need to be reminded of that, that to harbor unforgiveness is to believe that you have more wisdom than God, that you, that you understand things that God doesn't understand. Jesus became sin on that cross. And as he became sin on that cross, he was familiar and accustomed to all the things, all of the evils of humanity. And even knowing all of that, even knowing many of us would be like, man, humanity doesn't deserve forgiveness. Humanity doesn't deserve that. Humanity deserves to just suffer. But God said, no, Jesus, I'm asking you to go on the cross because out of his great love for you, he offered you forgiveness. And so how dare we as people look at his last words, words of forgiveness and say, well, people, well, in certain situations, people deserve forgiveness. No, in all situations, it hurts, but his last words were words of forgiveness. And tonight you need to let go. You need to let go. It's pride. It's pride. You're, you're hanging on to it. It's prideful. It's, it's wrong. Jesus forgave you. And you need to forgive. Why? Because last words are important. And these are Jesus's famous last words. He offered words of forgiveness. Number two, he offered a word of salvation. Luke 23, 43. And Jesus said to him, assuredly, I say to you today, you will be with me in paradise. I love that. I love that. He says, Jesus, when you go to your place of glory, remember me. Re remember me. To dismember means to tear apart. To remember means to put something back together again. And when he said, remember me, he said, Jesus, can you help put me back together again? And Jesus spoke to him words of salvation. Isaiah 43, 25 says, he remembers your sin no more. And we have the opportunity tonight, today, always to get right with God. He said, remember me, Jesus, forgive me, put me back together. And see, those famous last words mean something to me because, because I believe that many of us believe that people have to act a certain way and do certain things and be a certain way their entire life. And if they're not, how dare they be on their deathbed and how dare this man live an awful life and get on the cross. And in the last moment, say, Jesus, put me back together again. And then Jesus forgives him. I think you need to understand this is a beautiful picture of God's love for you. And his famous last words were, here's a man that threw away his entire life, his every second of his entire life. And in the last 30 seconds of his life, 
we see a God that is faithful and just to forgive the man and, and give away salvation to a man that wasted his life. What does that mean to you and me? This means that in Jesus' famous last words, see, we hear the voice of the enemy saying, you've gone too far, you, you, you've, you've done it again, here you are again, and, and shame, 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 shame. See, that's why I see what's going on right now in the world. Shame on you, shame on you, shame, 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 shame. And, and, and we gotta learn in Jesus' famous last words, this man deserved shame. And, and he, he just humbly said, oh, Jesus, I was wrong. Remember me. And Jesus said, you got it. You got it. And we have to be people that, that need to understand that we're not never too far gone. I don't care what you've done. I don't care what you said. I don't care the way you've lived your life. I don't care what happened. It doesn't matter what happened. Jesus, in his last moments, offered a man that blew it, salvation. And you need to be reminded, it's not over, right? It's, if you're not dead, then he's not done. I love that song that they do. If you're not dead, then he's not done. And so tonight you might feel like a failure. You might, you might feel like a mistake, but you're not a mistake. And you can get up from this and you can rebound from this and you can get back up again and God can do a great work in you. God's not done with you yet. Why? Because in his famous last words, he offered you words of salvation, no matter how far you've gone. Number three, he offered words of love. John 19, 28. After this, Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished, that the scripture might be fulfilled, he said, I thirst. And to think the infinite one became an infant to think that he who the heavens could not contain was contained in the womb of a virgin, to think the one who holds the oceans in his hands would have to beg for one drop of water. And we, we hear him cry out, I thirst. It's a word of love. It's a word of love because we're reminded of what he gave up for you and for me. To think that he who grows all plant life would grow the very tree in which he would be crucified. To think that he would leave the golden streets of heaven to be born in a barn in Bethlehem to tell you and I one thing, that he loves us. Love is the most valuable thing on the planet. It's the highest in demand and the lowest in supply. Everyone needs it, and yet no one wants to give it. Corinthians 23, we have a whole chapter on love. And if we're going to reach people, if we're gonna heal this world, if we're gonna heal this nation, if you're gonna heal your family, if you're gonna heal your hard heart, listen, if we're going to reach people, we can't do it with a million pound Bible. We can't do it with a light show or a band. Listen, the only way to reach people is we need to learn what God gave up and what Jesus is teaching us through his famous last words, that he offered words of love. And if we're going to reach people, everything we have to do has to be done through love. Why? Because there's one thing on the planet that never fails, love. Oh man, I don't know what I'm gonna do. Are you doing it with a loving heart? 
Are you doing it with the love that Christ provides? If you're going in with a loving heart, can I just tell you something? God's word says, love never fails. Never fails. And in his famous last words, he offered words of love. Number four, he offered a word of family restoration. When Jesus was up on the cross, John 19, verse 26, it said, therefore he saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing by. He said to his mother, woman, behold your son. Then he said to the disciple, behold your mother. And from that hour, that disciple took her to his own home. It's words of family restoration. Restore means to give again. In the book of Joel 1, it says, tell your children of it and let your children tell their children and their children another generation. That which the palmer worm hath left, hath the locust eaten, and that which the locust hath left, the canker worm eaten, and that which the canker worm left, the caterpillar have eaten, and what the crawling locust left, the consuming locust has eaten. Joel describes specific insects that attack and feed on the unique parts of a tree. And he outlined each one of them. And we have to look at our family tree. And many of us, some of you have great families and some of you have some messed up families and some of you have some in-between families. Some of you have some blended families. Some of you just have no family. And, and you're, you're saying, man, whenever you mention the word family, it's, it's, it's got this, man, my, my family's just been eaten away at. And we can think about our family tree. And it says that the locusts eat leaves, which turn sunlight into food. It says the caterpillar eats the fruits which contain the seeds of the next generation. The canker worm eats the bark. It's the protective covering. The palmer worm eats the roots, which is what draws water. And each insect, if given its, its way, will eat away at the tree till it's nothing but an empty shell. No life, no future, no leaves, no fruit, no protective covering, no roots, but an empty shell. And your family might feel that way. You might feel that way about your son. Your son might feel that way about you. Your daughter might feel that way. You might feel that way about your father. You might feel that way about your mother. You might feel that way about your uh, extended family members or your grandparents or your great grandparents. But God said he can take an empty shell and he can restore it and give it life again. I believe that's a word for somebody today. It's in his famous last words. He, he offered restoration to families. And so he, so whatever the canker worm, the palmer worm, whatever the locust is eaten away, God can and will restore again. Joel says he will restore to you the years that the locust, canker worm, caterpillar, and palmer worm have taken. And so I don't know what's happened, but God will give you a burden tonight. And the promise of Jesus on the cross is the gift of restoration for your family. Number five, and I'm almost done. Words of rejection. Words of rejection. This is interesting. Matthew 27, verse 46, it says, and in about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out in a loud voice saying, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? See, rejection is a very powerful thing that the enemy uses. I believe that rejection is how the enemy cracks the door. It puts, imagine if you will, there is a wedge in the door and it won't close 
all the way. And rejection in our life, in your life, in my life, it, 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 it works the same way. Rejection is a door. And if you don't close that door, what happens is the enemy has constant access to your life through the spirit of rejection. So he will keep coming at you the exact same way, right? This is how the enemy works. So dad went away when you were young. So you constantly feel like there was something about you that deserved to be rejected. Maybe you didn't make the team. Maybe you always felt like you weren't good enough. Maybe, maybe it was relationally. You just, it's just, it fails again and again and again and again. We have to remember that in Jesus's famous last words, they were words of rejection. In other words, Jesus even told people, hey man, the world rejected me first. Don't forget. And so many times people will reject us. Think about this. In Jesus's ministry, he would be preaching a sermon like this and people would get so upset, they would straight up walk out of his sermon. Listen to me. If people are going to walk out of Jesus's sermon, people will walk away from your life. Isn't that comforting to know that, that he who made the heavens and the earth, people could be in the same room physically and be like, no, I'm not having that. So guess what? If they did it to him, they'll, they'll do it to you. And I don't know why, to me, that gives me such great comfort to know that people rejected Jesus, people are gonna reject me, and I, and I just need to understand that many times in my life, I just have to close the door because most people, they don't have the whole picture. Most people are hurting and hurt people hurt people. And so what happens is most, most of the time when people reject you, it's never you, it's always them. Come on, I do ministry. I've been doing ministry now for 15 years. And you know how many times I've asked myself and people have made me feel like there's something wrong with me. And I'm like sitting in my bed at 4 a.m. You, know you know what I'm doing? I'm allowing, I'm walking through the door of rejection. And many times I just have to say, God, I don't know what's going on. God, I don't understand what's going on, but God, I'm just gonna close that door because I know as long as the door of rejection is open in my life, I'm always gonna be focused on that. And the enemy's gonna find his way into my life. But if I close the door and I lock it and say, God, they rejected you first, so I'm gonna get rejected. I'm okay with that. I learned from his famous last words that because he was rejected, I'm gonna feel those same feelings, but I'm not going to allow it to be the, the way in which I see myself and I see my life. I'm gonna see my worth through what Jesus did on the cross. And so his famous last words were words of rejection. And because he was rejected, and because he had his beard hairs plucked, I receive his healing. Number six, words of commitment of spirit. Being committed. Luke 23, uh, 46, it says, and when Jesus had cried out with a loud voice, he said, Father, into your hands, I commit my spirit. I commit. The hardest thing in life is commitment of spirit. Being committed in your spirit. Half-hearted doesn't cut it. It doesn't cut it. The kingdom, I've, I've said this before a couple weeks back, is not built on good intentions. Well, I intended to do it. Come on, in my house, if, 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 if I tell my wife that I am going to do something, but I'm gonna, I'm, gonna, you know, I'm gonna do the dishes. If she senses from me that I'm half-hearted about it, guess what's said in my house? Move, 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 move. I'll do it. See, we, we, we want somebody to be committed and out of love to do things wholeheartedly. 
And when we have this kind of, uh, I guess all what, no, it's, you know what? It works the same way. It works the same way. When, when, when God wants to do something in our life, he's looking for somebody that's a hundred percent committed. And Jesus said, I commit my spirit to you. And you know what would happen? What would happen? What would happen is if, is if you said, God, I'm a hundred percent committed to your spirit leading me today. I'm a hundred percent committed. God, whatever you tell me, God, I'm going to, I'm going to submit and I'm going to be committed to what you have been telling me. Maybe God's been speaking to you for years. Maybe God's been speaking to you for this past week. Maybe God, I don't know what God's been speaking to you, but what, what would happen is if you just didn't allow yourself to, to just say, ah, oh, that's too much. That's too far. That's, I, I don't know. What if you just stand up and say, okay, God, I'm committed to your word. I'm committed to your house. I'm committed to walking this life that you've asked me to live out. I'm committed. And in his famous last words, he offered words of commitment. And, the fi- and then finally, and this is it, and we're done and we'll pray and we'll get out of here. Number seven, words of completion. He's going to complete. He's going to complete what he has done in our lives. I thought this was a powerful story. Nelson Mandela, he's an iconic figure, now regarded as one of the world's greatest statesmen. He spent decades in prison for his stance against apartheid. He was sentenced in the Ravonia a treason trial of 1964, facing the death sentence, he made this statement to the court. I have fought against white domination and I have fought against black domination. I have cherished the ideal of a democratic and free society in which all persons live together in harmony and with equal opportunities. It is an ideal which I hope to live for and to achieve, but if need be, It is an ideal for which I am prepared to die. Jesus's last words were not, I started this, now you go and finish it. Jesus's last words weren't, good luck. Jesus's last words weren't, I wish I could have done better for you. Jesus's last words weren't, I'm ashamed of you. Jesus's last words were were not, oh well. Jesus's last words were, listen to me, it is finished. What Jesus set out to do in you and in me is finished. He didn't come to earth to start something. He came to earth to finish something. And the work is finished. And the enemy's number one goal right now is to get you to not realize that which he has finished. You are a finished work in Jesus' name. He has already finished, he's finished it, it's done. He already defeated death, hell, and the grave. He already rose again from the dead for your life. He said it in his famous last words, he says it's done. And so why are you walking around in the graveyard of your past, in the graveyard of what was done, in the graveyard of rejection, in the graveyard of you're not enough, and, the, and you're just wondering why, why isn't it happening yet? Why isn't it happening? It's because you need to be like what the angel said. The angel told both Marys, what are you doing here in a graveyard? Don't you know he is risen? Don't you know he's not hanging around in this graveyard? And I come 
through the Spirit of God to tell you the same thing. What are you doing hanging out in the graveyard? He is risen. He's given you all the power and authority in heaven has been given to you through the power of the Holy Spirit. And in Jesus' famous last words, I speak the blessing of it is finished over your life. Quit trying. Quit trying to force it. Quit trying. It's finished. It's done. Walk in it. Walk in it. Walk in it. Walk in it. Come on, raise your hands up and say, yes, Lord, it's finished. God, I thank you that it's finished in my life. Come on, worship team, come on. episode we hope you enjoyed it if you did there are just a couple next steps we'd love to highlight first you can subscribe to this podcast to stay up to date with brand new episodes every single week you can even share this with a friend by clicking that share button you see right there on your screen we'd also love to hear from you so if you have a comment you can visit us on twitter instagram or facebook at seven hills church Lastly, we want to say thank you to those who give generously to this ministry. You're helping us impact thousands. You can click on the link in the episode's description to give now or visit us at sevenhillschurch.tv backslash give. Thank you again for listening and we'll see you next time.